This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. Hi, everybody. Today's guest is Chris Caraba, lead singer and guitarist for Dashboard Confessional. Chris and I cut our collective teeth in the same Florida music circles, and it was a pleasure catching up with him. We discussed the writing, recording, and legacy of the Dashboard Confessional song, Hands Down. I mentioned that the imagery and descriptive nature of the lyrics are what really makes this song special. Seeing the lyrics printed out in front of me was like reading a highly detailed poem. Chris talked about the acoustic version of the song being released prior to the full band version that we dove into here, and how polarizing it was initially to fans who loved his original take on the song. Chris explained to me why I couldn't find the official video of the song anywhere online, and how the song was given yet another set of legs years later in 2015, when Taylor Swift invited Chris to play hands down at her best friend's birthday party. Bizarre? Yes. Amazing? Absolutely. For all this and much more... Stay tuned. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. You and I kind of have a, a shared history here, both uh, being from Florida. Of course, uh, Chris uh, started uh, his career in a band back in the day called the Vacant Andes, his first band, which I want to say less than Jake played with you guys at some point. We definitely played together at, at FAU, Florida Atlantic University. Florida Atlantic University. There you go. I was going to say maybe the, uh, what was it, that place, the old schoolhouse in Vero? <laughs> I saw you there. I saw you there, but we didn't play there. Oh, I loved that place. I saw the Refuse. Th- I saw Refuse there too. That was one wild show for a place like that. I could imagine. Gosh, we could, we could talk about that place uh, for a whole episode. Um, <laughs> you know, of course, Chris went on to uh, uh, Further Seems uh, Forever and, uh, of course, Dashboard Confessional, which just was uh, a side project that turned into the uh, enormous monster that it is that it has become. And, uh, you know, I had, I had emailed Chris. Uh, asking about a couple of songs, of course, uh, uh, "Screaming uh, Infidelities" was one of them. "Vindicated" was another, and "Hands Down" uh, was was the third choice. And uh, Chris was was gracious enough to say, "You know what? I'm good with any of those." And uh, I went ahead and, and picked "Hands Down." And uh, I, I got to tell you, uh, Chris, I I don't get too much lyrical envy, but uh, I envy you on this one, man. This. Uh, one of the themes here on Krista Makes a Podcast is is the lyrics and how they tell a story and uh, the the imagery that they produce. And and man, this this one is full of it. Uh, I've done a number of, of, of shows now, and uh, I mean this with all sincerity. These are probably my, my favorite lyrics I've come across. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. It's a testament to, uh, I know that's what you're, you're really known for, and it's just uh song is is fantastic so take us back uh, i know the prior record uh, in 2001 was the places you've come to fear the most uh, so between uh, 01 and 03 when this record uh, a mark emission a brand of scar uh, hands downs from that record when was the hands down actually written let me think here i was probably written in 2002 and it was written as a part of like a four-part story of songs that was uh an EP called, uh, that was a limited release called the So Impossible EP. And that was the acoustic version. Mm-hmm. That was the acoustic version. So I imagine it was like, I want to say summer, but who can remember? Because I lived in Florida. I think, <laughs> I think it was summertime. It's hard to tell seasons, right? It's hard to tell. Hard to mark the time. So I think it was the summer of 2002 that I, that I wrote Hands Down. Okay. Remember where you were at when you wrote it? Were you sitting in your house on an acoustic guitar? Were you, were you like, I have to write a song today? Or was it one of those things that just uh, maybe you had the lyrics in a notebook? How did, how did it come about? So at that point, I didn't have my own place that when Dashboard started, I like got rid of everything and moved into my van. When I was, I remember I was like looking for an apartment. And about that same time, my mom went on vacation and asked me to house sit for, uh, for a couple of days. She went on a business trip, excuse me. And so I was at my mother's apartment, which was weird, you know, because I was, I hadn't lived, hadn't lived there in a long time. 
and I remember uh, that I had this, uh, w- there was like this, it, a peaceful nature about, you know, being back home for the first time in so, so long. And I think that contributed a little bit to reminiscing about what would be the subject matter. Um, cause the subject matter, and I, I'm just going to go ahead. I usually, I, I, I save this for a little later in the episode. Was this written from personal experience or was this a story that you, you just kind of wrote? So the song, like most songs that I write, and probably I think most writers are calling from their personal lives with a little, with a little or a lot of poetic license, but there wasn't a ton of poetic license in this song. It was like kind of like a fruitful um, experience. It was kind of like grand enough, the life experience that I didn't need to employ a lot of poetic license. It just, it had enough on its own. Because there's a lot here. There's a lot of lyrics in this song. And, you know, I, I'm sure my listeners are probably sick of me saying what I'm going to say right now, but <laughs> I've said this in a number of episodes, but some of the best songs, and I'm only speaking of, of the chord arrangement right now, not the overdubs and the extra production, which we'll get into, which is fantastic in this song. But, um, you know, this chord arrangement, this is a pretty simple thing that's going on here but yet you have these lyrics and this just imagery. And I've seen what this song does to your fans. It's unreal. I've seen it live. I've seen it uh, on, on a number of uh, YouTube videos I've watched recently when I was re- researching the song. And it's just, they're living these lyrics. And um, uh, the, the, the lyrics are what brings this song just to complete life. Not that the song itself and the shell and the chords and everything aren't good, but, uh, you know, and I, and I, and I say simple, uh, not, uh, in, in a derogatory fashion. Um, sometimes the best songs are, are, are what they are. They are simple. And it's just, it's all the lyrics. It's how you sing it. It's the intonation in your voice. And let's, let's go into the, to the first verse now. There's no, there's no pre-chorus. Uh, the, the first lyric is breathe in for luck, breathe in so deep. This air is blessed. You share with me. This night is wild. So calm and dull. These hearts, they race from self-control. Your legs are smooth as they graze mine. We're doing fine. We're doing nothing at all. So if you could set, set that first, uh, verse up for us. So you have to envision that, uh, the couple are, in point of fact, um, I mean, maybe this isn't made clear anywhere in the song, but in reality, this is this is where it was. There's a party going on that I was at, that we were at, and we squirreled our, away upstairs to a room just to be alone together. And though, you know, there was sexual tension, and as you would expect, you know, there was something more to it, uh, the tension, I mean, there was something deeper. And and so the whole thing for me in that moment as I'm writing about the song is, was about just like slowing, slowing time down just a little bit or a lot. To, just just to, to, to take it in, there was, a, there was an import to the, to the moment. There was something about it that even then seemed like this is uh, an unusual thing. You know, like the, there was something special about the situation. There's something special about the couple. There was something special about the time and place. And even in my youth, I, th- I knew enough to try to slow things down and, and like savor it. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's a very interest, interesting take. And now that I reread them, as you said that, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you mentioned poetic license a little bit ago. When I was reading these lyrics, actually staring at them as I am right now, um, this reads like a poem and, um, I, I'm not being self-deprecating when I say, I wish I could write lyrics like this. You know, I have, I have my strong suits and I do my thing, but, uh, I, 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 uh, 
envy you. I envy songwriters that can do this, that can paint this kind of a picture. Uh, you know, uh, it would come off really forced and corny if I <laughs> tried to write something like this. And it's a, uh, it's such a talent. It's, it's, it's really awesome. What I love about this first verse is there's ways that you rhyme words, uh, that, that, that shouldn't rhyme together, uh, in this. And there's, there's lines such as this night is wild. And the follow-up line of that is so calm and dull. So how can something be wild and calm and dull, but yet it works? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's what I was draw. That's that's what I was kind of like drawing a, a, a finer point on, or there's I can draw a fun, finer point on it. But I was I was kind of broad stroking it with the fact that there was like chaos going on all around. It was an, like an explosive night, you know, like those youthful parties can be. But as we you know, nothing is ever one thing, right? And nothing is ever just one way. And so there was a part of it that was like, in my mind, I was thinking, certainly when I wrote the song, and I think probably when I lived the experience that isn't literally what I'm saying here, but the spirit of it was that uh, in spite of this kinetic thing that was going on all around us, our moment by comparison was very calm and quiet and almost mundane that we chose to to slip away uh-huh. into you know into our own little space that we that we found yeah and it was there was a long lead up to this in the songwriting process because I'd written three songs that led to this song and uh, so you've already heard if you've heard the if you're just following it from the EP which it, you know I don't mean to like hedge my bets as I try to explain one song by using the other. No, please do. You know, if you're following the other ones, you know that like both people in the relationship have gone through their own like little bits of self-doubt, bits of of great uh, (laughs) overabundance of confidence, which has led them both to this this period of like, oh, well, here, here we are. Let's be present. Which is like, you know, we were young. And so- that's weird, <laughs> you know, to, <laughs> to, to know to be present when you're, when you're young. When you're young, you're thinking about next. That seems to be the only thing. Maybe that's one of the reasons this, this moment in my life became a, something worthy of a song much later is because I, I, really lived in, I really lived right then and there. I lived right there. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't escape the moment in the moment, which is the foolishness of youth but kind of the amazing part of youth at the same time. Yeah. You were able to take that and harness it, uh, in, in an amazing way. And, uh, just the imagery and the descriptiveness of this first verse is, is again, I, I, uh, I'm trying to toot your own horn. These are, these lyrics are, are just such fine descriptors. Uh, there's no pre-course as I mentioned a, a moment ago, but, uh, what, what is almost considered kind of like a pre-course is the very end, uh, of the verse when you kind of, you, you, you stay low uh, range wise in your, in your uh, voice and you kind of whisper, we're doing nothing at all. And that part could have almost, when you, when you listen to it, it when it, when it stops there, that's the part that could have lifted, you know, we're doing nothing at all. Like kind of really go up an octave, but you save going up an octave for the chorus. And that's why that chorus just lifts, you know, and there's something so emotional about the way you whisper that line. We're doing nothing at all that just tugs at all those fans heartstrings so talk a little bit about that do you remember that exact part was it always like that it was always like that i don't know whether like i'm speaking to myself or she's speaking to me or if i'm speaking to her i mean you know how when you're singing a song night after night for your shows you might find it has one line has a different meaning three nights in a row okay yeah of course um so sometimes i don't know who's speaking the line i mean i should say i don't always know who's speaking the line but I will say that um, it was conversational and it was almost like whispered, almost like a secret. It was just really like a private admission. And, and then we get into to the first chorus and this is where you go up and your voice goes. And that's why the whole thing lifts. And prior to that, the drums were, were doing a very minimal uh, hi-hat, like kick drum type thing. And now, now we're in double time. The, the band kicks in. We're doing nothing at Kill me. 
lyric in the chorus here is, uh, my hopes are so high that your kiss might kill me. So won't you kill me? So I die happy. My heart is yours to fill or burst to break or bury or wear as jewelry, whichever you prefer. And again, bury and jewelry do not rhyme, but you somehow made them rhyme. Um, <laughs> the way you sang it. And that, and that's, that's another thing I love about uh, this podcast. I found that with lyrics and I do that myself. There's sometimes that we call them a soft rhyme as lyricists, but mm-hmm. uh, it just works so well there uh, to break or bury or wear as jewelry, whichever you prefer. And now is that whichever you prefer is, that you directing that at uh, at your love interest here or just in general? I think I'm directing it at her. Yeah, I'm directing it at her. Uh, at least that 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 one line, whichever you prefer. So you're fine. You're fine with having your heart broken. You just want this moment. You just want the chance to. Have- yes, yes. So I'm <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm kind of like surrendering to the like chance that this could all <laughs> go to this, hell. <laughs> this, this could all go to hell fast. I mean, we like this moment that I think is really special could be fucked instantly. Yeah. Um, but I'm willing to risk it. Um, and why? Why am I willing to risk it? Because you're young. Because uh, I'm young. Because <laughs> I'm young, and I've never had an experience like this before. Ah, and cool. um, and uh, not not no no. I wasn't as young when I wrote it. I was young still, but I wasn't as young. It was a couple years later, a couple few years later. By the time I'd written the song, I'd I'd certainly had my share of of rejection and heartbreak, and also success with relationships and all that. You know, I've explored explored the gambit gambit of. Uh, the full range, emotional range, or a fuller emotional range at that point than I had before. Right. But at the time of writing the song, it was um, just the, the the possibility, the air of possibility was special. That in and of itself was as special as how I felt about the person. And, um, you know, that willingness to, to bear yourself and to put yourself in a position where you could be rejected is a is a um, brave place to get to it's not like uh i understand that some of the there's a there's more than a little heart on your sleeve in this song (laughs) yeah um but it also is uh, i find it at least to at least be it's it's brazen and brave well there's a lot of Um, vulnerability going on here is what it sounds like there is, you know, you're really, you're, you're young. It's exciting. Your first, all this and that, but you're, you're <laughs> letting the person know your hopes are super high. The kiss might kill me, but Hey, I'm, I'm ready to jump in here. Let's do this. No matter, yeah. no matter what happens at what cost. Yes. And I like that feeling. <laughs> it's exciting. I think that's what we call the honeymoon phase, you know, and those, re- <laughs> that's true. And those relationships where everything is just so exciting. Like, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to take a walk uh, down the street with, that doesn't have any trees or any sidewalks or nothing? Yeah. Let, let's do it. It's great. I'm, I'm with you. What? Re- you want to do that? Let's do that. How glorious. <laughs> you know, and- I've never seen asphalt like this. Oh my God. <laughs> and then years later you pay for a $10,000 vacation to London and you, and you hate each other. <laughs> you know. so so, uh no man that's uh that's great it makes makes total sense i also have a little side note here i called it the guitar right speaker noodle there's a guitar part that's panned off to the right uh speaker here um in the chorus that i just love it's this counter melody that just adds such a hauntingness uh to this chorus Was, uh, was that something you thought of? Uh, was, was that something that, uh, of course, Gil Norton produced the record? I want to talk a little bit about Gil in a moment. Gil also produced uh, Color into Shape by the Foo Fighters and uh, Futures by Jimmy Eat World, two of my f- all-time favorite records. Um, as well as Pixie's records. Yes, yes. Who, Gil for me. Who, you know? who, who, of course, who could forget? Um, and um, did Gil bring some of those production factors? Because, again, that, that counter melody in there is haunting. I love it. So I'm trying to remember if that counter melody is on the EP, which predates uh, working with Gil. Um, I know what you're talking about. I just don't know for a fact if it's if it existed. And you know, to be honest with you, I can't remember. I wish I could tell you that I knew the answer of like who 
who came up with ornamental <laughs> bits at any time because it was 18 it, years like, ago <laughs> and, it, and it's a grab bag you know how it is with a band oh, you yeah, know like um, yeah. you know there's people are changing each other's parts and their own parts constantly um mm-hmm. that's what uh, the that's what you know being in a room with other musicians is and why it's so special i do that all the time i'll go back go back and hear one of our songs. I, I honestly don't know if Roger played the, the guitar leader, if I did, you know, cause we both play in the studio and it's like, did I do that? I don't remember. Yeah. I re- <laughs> you know, like in later records, like Johnny and I would, and AJ and I would, uh, would sit together and like on the same take, you know, same track. Like if somebody had an idea that just like, instead of explaining, you just hand the guitar to them <laughs> or they'd hand it to you and you play that part that, you know, those four bars and then hand it back. And that's that. Right. And, um, there's a trust in there that's really pretty, really, really special. But I will tell you this: I think that that it's a very major key song with a po- like kind of a positive, uber positive subject matter in in the lyricism. And so, ornamentally, I was I know we were I was and we were trying to to give it a little to make make sure it wasn't too saccharine. Uh huh. Yeah. So there was intention there. Yeah, and that provides it definitely provides some tension. I, I just love that. Um, so yeah, something else I, I thought that was was really interesting. And again, going to that, sometimes it has to be simplistic, but this just gives that one chord change that I love. It's the uh, in the verse, the second chord is your C minor, and in the chorus, the second chord is the G minor. And that's the only difference between the chord arrangement. Was was that something that was was kind of written from the beginning? Do you remember? And, and, and what was the conscious thought behind actually going to to the different chord for the chorus, but having the rest of the chord stay the same? So, the original EP that it's on, so impossible. It's all in the key of E, with the exception of, uh, I mean, one is in C minor, but that's E, you know. Right. Oh, um, yeah. There's one that's B, but but in the E mode for. So uh, I'm, I'm really using that key to its fullest so that the story feels seamless. But when I, when I went to the chorus of Hands Down as a writer, having an ascending chord pattern like that uh, and going to the three chord, which is a little bit unusual and underused in a song like that, I felt give it, gave it, you know, you get the sense that like the thing's taken off. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do, and I didn't want to do anything really radical because i made such a, a leap in the vocal range. right yeah no and 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 you don't you didn't have to do anything just that one chord change because again this song and not to take anything away the song is beautifully written the chords and and how it's executed the, the, just the the drums and the tempo you you guys nailed it but um it's really about the lyrics and this melody that just just kills people it really is but to have that one chord difference uh i picked up on it right away when i was studying the song you know and of course i've heard this song in, in years past but to really sit down and go wait what happens there Ooh, you know i picked up the guitar and i'm like that's neat i love stuff like that i do too and i'm a and i've been a student of it my whole life and so it was where like a, the the song wasn't written in a painstaking way, it really came out very quickly, as as is the case with songs that become special. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, you think it's the ones I've said this before. You think by rights it's the one you spend weeks or months on that will have the longest legs, but it's really the ones that kind of kind of spill out that end up really connecting with people for you know the most deeply and for the longest time. And I don't know why that is because I think that. Well, I do know why that is. You know, I, I think that there's an urgency that people just connect to. And I don't think that you spend less time on those songs that come out quickly. I think you're spending time subconsciously or on all the hundred songs you wrote before that one, you'd written before that one that, that lead you there. But in any event, I know that I didn't toy with recording that section. The only thing I, I remember consciously thinking about was the voicing of the second chord. And where it should, you know, where, where it should be and how it should be held. There's no fifth. Uh, uh, the fifth is in the is. There's almost there's a sus there's a sus note in there in the, but it's like half diminished, strangely. Uh-huh. So so anyway, it's just like I remember toying with the chord just a little bit, but just enough. But I knew it would be. I mean, if I was playing it on bass, I wouldn't have changed it either. You know, <laughs> when you only have one note, the root like, note. That's, that's that's it. That the root note was enough. That that. Um, the simplicity here 
was in reaction to the fact that like my other band, uh, and I was only recently out of, but when I started Dashboard, I was still in, uh, Further Seems Forever was, was very complex. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so some of Dashboard by design, uh, especially early Dashboard, was to allow simplicity to have its place as a, as a point of strength. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think a song with these lyrics and the melody would have warranted it to, you know, warranted it to be any, any, you know, more chords and have more stuff going on. I think it had to be this. Um, it's already obnoxiously in your face. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, and I, yeah, I, and I would say obnoxiously, uh, and that's a good word here. You know, it's in your face in, in, in a beautiful way. When we end the chorus, the first chorus, whichever you prefer, it immediately goes into verse two. Let's not get busted Just laying twines here Undiscovered Safety here from all the stupid questions Hey, did you get some? Man, that is so dumb Stay quiet, stay near Stay close to here So we can get some the lyrics just continue with this imagery and this descriptiveness and it makes you feel like you're there with what you're saying to me uh the words are hushed let's not get busted because you're you're hiding in a room (laughs) just lay entwined here undiscovered safe from the hour and all the stupid questions hey did you get some man that is so dumb stay quiet stay near stay close they can't hear so we can get some (laughs) and that line again so we can get some is almost whispered we musicians use this word quite a bit and it's uh uh but it's it's this sexy thing that uh, that i know has gripped the hearts of many uh (laughs) many females out there and again it's it's that same whisper as is is the is the first line there so uh let's talk about this verse a little bit i love that line hey did you get some man that's so dumb but but that's kind of what you were there for (laughs) yeah 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 so it's more like that that's so dumb is the the for me was like is this other people's business yeah. So when they ask you later, which they do, right? Yeah. Like even like adults asking each other this stuff. Like, why is that part of our, our like lizard brain intact forever? Um, I don't know. You know, we try to mature beyond it, but you know, like if everybody falls back into it at some point, you know, like want to know the nitty gritty. Yeah. What did you do after the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I took her home. Um, That's all. <laughs> so there again was me saying to, or us saying to each other, like, this is ours, this moment, it's just ours. And, you know, like, like they might ask, you know, you know, did you get something? This is such a stupid question, but you know what? We, they're like, I sure hope we do. Hey, everybody, don't go anywhere. We got lots more with Chris Caraba after a few words from our sponsors. Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with the Spotify Canvas Generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com 
slash VIP slash Demakes. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. And now, back to the show. Something I have to ask right before we go any further. Does the person in question in this song know that it, it was about her? Yes. 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 Cool. Yes. Cool. Okay. Was that, was that welcomed or was that weird or, cause sometimes that can be weird. Like you, you break up and you wrote a song about me and they get aggravated or, you know, I, I've seen this happen before or was it, was it welcomed? Uh, it was welcomed. It was welcomed. awesome. Awesome. Um, I, I don't think I took anybody to task here. <laughs> no, well, yeah, this, I don't think um, anybody could prove it was about them. I'm just, you know, you know who it's about and that person knows who it's about and that's all that, that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, I just, again, when I he- hear that stop there. A lot of bands, I'd be inclined to raise right there and go to that octave so we can get some. But no, you keep it breathy. And then boom. Get some. Well, so hard that your kiss might kill me. So won't you kill me. So I die happy. My heart is yours to fill our best. To break a barrier. Chorus two is the same lyrics. I'm going to read them again real quick as the first verse. Uh, my hopes are so high that your kiss might kill me. So won't you kill me? So I die happy. My heart is yours to fill or burst to break or bury or where is jewelry, whichever you prefer. And real quick, before we talk uh, about chorus two, I didn't mention, and I want to, uh, in verse two, that doesn't happen in verse one. And I love this part. I call it the left speaker noodly guitar. <laughs> so mm-hmm. over in the left speaker, you got this counter melody. That's, that's really haunt the, 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 the chorus one's great, but that's the haunting one. All the stupid questions. Hey, did you get some? Man, that is so do you remember uh, how that part came about or, or who wrote it? Yeah, I remember there were a few things that uh, Gil wanted to do. He wanted like the intro to come back. He wanted the, the, the ending section that we'll talk about next to occur again in the song. Uh, more than once, I should say. And I just was thoroughly opposed to both of these ideas. And I think that, you know, Gil is a genius. And so I'm not saying I was right, but I, I felt a, very strongly that the, the, the structure of the song shouldn't be altered. So one concession I made was uh, not a concession, but one one kind of his idea led to this this guitar bit, which is a, a kind of an echoing of the intro. Yes. But within the chordal structure that's happening now in the verse. It's, it's just this bit of, uh, as, as we musicians call ear candy that I just, ah, uh, I'm a sucker uh, for that kind of stuff. And when it's done right and it's executed right in here, it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. I don't think I would have ever thought that that would have fit within the, cor- I mean, under quarterly it fits, but I didn't think it would fit while singing. It almost feels like it shouldn't. I know what you're saying with that. Yeah. So, but Gil was, was like, this is, just play it. He, I remember him saying, "Like just, just play it as a, like he played back, you know, the rough track. Just, just play that. Play the intro." And I was like, "Well, I can't play the whole intro. Let me just play this section of the intro that's circuitous." And <laughs> whoa, 
this is why he's Gil Norton. Okay. I know. That's good. And I've talked about that on the show before. The the value of a good producer that you get along with that can just open your mind to that stuff. And a lot of times the producers, some of them are guitar players, some of them are songwriters, some of them aren't. And uh, some of the ones I've worked with that aren't will say, well, let's play the intro over. And you're like, well, it, it, it doesn't work. It goes to this chord. And that's kind of what you were just saying. Like, well, I can't play the whole thing, but I could play this part of it. You know, this yeah. part will work with it. And then you, then the light bulb goes off at that point. You're like, holy crap. <laughs> so let me just let me point out though, uh, James Wisner produced the song to begin with when we made it on the EP. And James Wisner, just for a moment here, let me just uh, as a side. I, I've worked with some amazing producers, and some I've been in, in complete awe of, like uh, like Daniel and Walsh. Sure. And some have been uh, have been you know become life, life you know lifelong friends, like Butch Walker or or uh, Adam Schlesinger before he passed. Sure. But the person that I learned the very most from uh, about music is James Wisner. And I remember when we did Hands Down that it was the first time, it was not the first time I worked with him. He produced Fake and Andy stuff, further stuff, and already a bunch of dashboard stuff. It was the first time where he was like, this is right. Like, they're, they're, like I mean, he thought everything else I did was right in the way it was, but one thought, you know, but we could do this, or we could try that. I remember being shocked that he was like, this is, we, we don't mess with this. This is, this is, yeah. it. this is how the song goes. And maybe that's why later when I worked with, with Gil, when he said, let's change the structure a little bit, I was like, absolutely not. And I think it's because my, somebody that I looked up to already so much and have learned, had learned so much from and to and continue to learn now, as I sit here so much from James Wisner had said like, this is it. This is the way this song goes. I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause I was going to talk about that getting into this last section of the song. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I probably would have, if I was presented this song to produce, you said, Hey Chris, what do you think of this? I would be like, the arrangement's weird. <laughs> It is yeah, weird. The arrangement's weird. We got you. Don't hear the chorus again after this breakdown. What are you thinking? Well, why not? You know. But listening to it as a fan and analyzing it for this show, the song is 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 a perfect pop gem. Three minutes, seventeen seconds. It it doesn't need to go anywhere from this, especially lyrically, because the lyrics you can't go back after after what you said here. And up to chorus two, when chorus two ends, you're at a minute and fifty seven seconds. So almost that's uh, like that's a little more than half the song but the other half of the song essentially the last one minute and 20 seconds of the song it goes half time in what i'm calling a a post-chorus outro it, it but all, almost sounds like a bridge at first but it just keeps going and it's the same riff hammering you for a minute and 20 seconds doesn't need to be another riff because it's the lyrics that are taking you on this ride. And I'd like to read these lyrics now, and there's a quite a bit of them. But again, the story here is, is just incredible. And this is the only time that we get the, the uh, title of the song in, which is great, too. Uh, it's not in the choruses anywhere else, but uh, it starts out hands down. This is the best date I can ever remember. Always remember the sound of the stereo, the dim of the soft lights, the scent of your hair that you twirled in your fingers. And the time on the clock when we realized it's so late and this walk that we shared together, the streets were wet and the gate was locked. So I jumped it and I let you in and you stood at your door with your hands on my waist and you kissed me like you meant it. And I knew that you meant it, that you meant it, that you meant it. And I knew that you meant it. 
that you meant it. And the song ends right there, but then there's, and we'll talk about this. We'll get, we'll talk about the lyrics first, but I have to mention this now. Uh, so, so I don't uh, space on it. Uh, there's a, this weird little drum hit after, uh, and, but there's this certain charm and realness. It almost sounds like it was another drum take, uh, (laughs) that (laughs) drummer just kind of went and ended. How did that come about? That's interesting because the song just ends uh, on that uh, on the E flat, and you'd think like, okay, the song's done, and then like there's this little drum drum flam there. How'd that come about? Well, I think you know, the whole thing is building with this kinetic energy. The whole, I mean, I'd never realized it was that long until <laughs> um, you said it. But gosh, that's a long time, man. Holy shit! It's um, great. It's great. So I think that you're asking your drummer to play that same groove for a lifetime. <laughs> and I think I, mean, I can only imagine. He just wants his fucking it, moment. <laughs> yeah. I think during, uh, I got to imagine, I started to remember, but I got to imagine maybe during rehearsals that he just probably did that once. And we were like, oh, that's how it ends. I, I don't know for a you fact. You don't need to know. Just, I, just, I just had to bring it up because it's just, it was really odd when I was like, again, I, I like to really get in. But those are the, those are the stunt kinds of things, Chris, that like would happen. Um, maybe this happens with all, probably all bands, right? But, you know, just something odd happens somewhere for some reason. And this one could have been fatigue, you know, um, <laughs> and you go and the rest of the band goes, that's it. And the guy doing it goes, What's it? Yeah. They don't even yeah. know. Yeah. And uh, I mean, some, you know, sometimes you come up with something and you think this is brilliant and you're right or wrong, but sometimes you just throw, throw, it's like, you know, throwing your pick, you know, and you accidentally hit the strings and somebody goes, that's it. Oh, oh, okay. And in this case, you know, with the drum, the drummer uh, being so expressive of a, as, as a drummer. Yeah. Anyway, there was an emotionality to, even that last little oh yeah and and I wouldn't call it a flub ad lib yeah moment in, in, that, my, in my that became in my notes I wrote there's a certain sacrosanct or something yeah I, I wrote in my notes there's a certain charm and realness it just adds this extra as if the song already didn't feel autobiographical and real enough there was this extra little uh, you know cherry on top um, this last part again I talked about a moment ago uh, you know that you meant it and I knew that you meant it that you meant it the last lyric it it, it couldn't go back to the chorus to me. It had, that's how it had to end. It was, it's the perfect ending. Um, so again, uh, as a fan now listening to the song and, and analyzing it, um, it is perfect. But if I was presented this song to produce it, I probably would have sided with Gil. It is a, and, and you even just said that you can't believe that almost half the song is the ending. I can't believe it, but I can tell that the guy who wrote it listened to The Cure a lot. <laughs> just to have just to understand that that's an option yeah no no it's um but again it's almost like um i didn't even think about this or write this down just thinking of this now it's it's almost like there's two separate songs here in one it's it's really it's really neat um i I can't say it enough Uh, i really good job good job on these lyrics they're so descriptive and they just uh you know your fans just absolutely love it i i typically will ask this question during the show and i kind of already know the answer you know this song had a life of its own on the EP before it was released. You had been playing it. So what was the reaction when you released this version? Uh, was there any uh, flack of, oh, it's not as good as the first version or things like that? Of course. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's polarizing. <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a polarizing thing to do. Um, hmm. The reviews were mixed. Of course. At best. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's funny because it became the definitive version. And I'm not quite sure who made that decision. It wasn't us. Yeah. No, it's um, always the fans, right? It's the fans that di- yeah. dictate that. What was the yeah. reaction like as a full band? Like, you remember the first time you played it, what that was like just to see the audience? Because they already knew the song, but now it's full band. It's a, it's electric. It's live. It had to, it had, yeah, had to so, be great. So, you know, in, in the beginning, a dashboard for two or three years, it was just me and a, and a guitar. So just having a band was tricky and i took a really i had a patient band i had patient bandmates that i said look if we want this to be part of what dashboard is we're gonna have to really introduce this slowly and so they would spend a lot of the sets on the side of the stage coming up for only three songs or something like yeah that. um patient guys um <laughs> and and uh with hands down it 
became this, the version uh, that you hear on Mark Emission, um, but it didn't just go from the acoustic to that. First, it went through this like process on stage where they didn't play until the coda, until that that post-chorus part. Mm-hmm. And they came in there. Oh, okay, okay. So, so we had some time where the song like evolved in front of in front of the live audience, and I think the live audience informed the structure. The the the, the, the not the structure. The structure was there, but the instrumentation. Interesting. Okay, a couple more things I want to touch on. Something I find incredibly interesting, and you may have the answer because uh, uh, my producer Chris Afalios he swears that there was a video for this song. Neither him nor I, Google, YouTube, we cannot find it. However, there is a lyric video that was posted by a fan in 2010 that has 4.8 million views to this song, which is insane. Um, (laughs) What happened to the original video? Do you know? The original video or the lyric video? Not the lyric video. So what? Oh, the original. Yeah, video. we can't we can't uh, find it on YouTube. We googled it. We it, it, it's like it doesn't exist. It was like it was scrubbed off the internet. We can't find it. Yeah, what happened to it? Interscope happened to it. I don't you know. Um, Why vagrant? Va- well, I, I don't know, man. I don't work at the label. Yeah, but yeah. I will say I, this. I, I, you I, know, I'm, I'm kind of talking out loud. That wasn't directed at you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the breakdown that I, as, as I know it. You know, I was on Vagrant Records. Vagrant Records was an indie label. They did a partnership with uh, Interscope yeah. to kind of handle the fact that their bands were having a, their moment and and maybe outpacing their ability to fulfill orders. You know, on a very basic level, just to, you know, for instead of getting to the real nitty gritty. Gotcha. Um, and so then, uh, so then there was you know some dual ownership and. Uh, and then I know that there was uh, at one point there was some some battle between um, Interscope and YouTube, also Interscope Scope and iTunes. Um, these were different things at different times, but I know that they happened, and I know there was some under under understood. <laughs> yeah. So so for so like you know, I believe the video will be back. Up, it had a. Uh, it's straight. It's really pretty, beautiful. It's a really beautiful video. Visual. I would have loved. I would have loved um, to have seen it. I don't re- remember it from back in the day. Um, but uh, these are the types of things, Chris, that uh, let the listeners know that, that we as band guys we hate that part of the business. <laughs> yeah, we hate it. Hey, we hate it. I mean, like to be quite frank, like I just like I don't even like making videos in the first right. place. It's a thing you do, but it's not like the thing you do. Yeah. So the fact that it was gone, like that's something that never is like oh. I've got to get that fixed. It's like if the song was gone, I'd be chasing it. But the the video's gone. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, one last thing that I think is is incredible, um, and uh, you know, <laughs> just shows you how this song affected people. Uh, in 2015, uh, Taylor Swift called you uh, to play "Hands Down," and, the, and, you, and folks. Please check this out on YouTube. Type in Taylor Swift, hands down. It'll come right up. Uh, she called Chris to play hands down for her, her best friend's birthday party. Just asking a random question. Do we have anyone here named Chris Caraba? <laughs> is there a Chris Haley Williams from Paramore was there. She joined in. It's Chris with an acoustic guitar surrounded by a ton of women. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> what was that like? So did, did, did your manager get a call? How, how'd you get contacted for that? What, 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 how'd that go down? So I knew Taylor for a little while, you know, she had, <laughs> so I'd, she posted this, uh, she tweeted something like uh, she, she, that she was singing hands down with, you know, she was out on the road and she was singing hands down full blast. Something to that effect on that she, she tweeted. And I knew I'd be in, in Nashville in a few days to play a show. So I, te- I tweeted her, hey, if you're going to be, you know, come and sing it with me. And uh, and she did. She came to the show and we we had a great time. Uh, we really hit it off. She is an amazing person. I really genuinely love her. I, I will go to bat for her with anybody that that knocks her. I I, I think she's just the real thing. Oh, she is. A, she, is she, a, she writes all her stuff. She's amazing. She's an. She's a and she's a badass businesswoman, yeah. and she is. Total respect. She's fiercely devoted to her fans. I mean, I'll go. I could go on. Yeah. It. 
but the thing that was like very like, oh yeah, that's a different world than I'm from was like, I then realized at one point when she's leaving that she, and she was talking about catching a plane, she was talking about her own plane <laughs> and that she was talking about going back on tour, which I realized only then was in Europe that she'd flown home from just to see my show and was flying back to, <laughs> to Europe. So flipping, anyway, flipping a coin, another bandmate uh, for the middle seat and coach. <laughs> So not that night. No. So, um, yeah, so that's how we became friendly was just like, you know, on a lark, you know, she, she I mean, I'm glad she is a f- fan of that song or the band and both or both, but uh, you know, I was, I was brazen enough to just say, Hey, come to the show. And, and she is, uh, she doesn't like, I don't think she walks in this rarefied air like some celebrities do. She's just like, Oh, cool. I'll come to the show. Oh, man. So anyway, when she, so she just reached out to me, you want to come play this party? And I thought, well, who wouldn't, I mean, I just said yes, because um, I remember people being like, well, what are you going to charge her? This, that, that, a charger. <laughs> like, I, she just invited me to a birthday party for a friend. What would you charge somebody to go to a birthday? Like, that's crazy. People go crazy. Can I borrow your dad? When they hear a name like Taylor Swift, like, oh, what's your angle going to be? Like, man, <laughs> she invited me to a party. I'm going to go. Yeah. Ah. I mean, yeah, of course. And just um, not that you did it for these reasons. I know you didn't, Chris, but just uh, money. You're not even thinking that it's just you're doing it because you're just like you're you're completely blown away that this huge celebrity wants you. This this song touched her and and her friend. But, um, you know, just the mileage that you, you, you got out of it. I know you didn't do it for that reason, but just like the story of it, just the story alone is fascinating. It is. It is. It's, it is one of those things where you where you realize uh, uh, yeah, there's, that's top five for the stories I'll be able to tell in the nursing home. <laughs> well, you know, and it's 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 eleven years, uh, uh, or excuse me, uh, uh, twelve years after the fact that the song was released, that it gave the song just another another set of legs. The, the song just it really did. Song, it really, you know what? You, another thing that I remember from that night is, you know, Haley's a superstar, but she's she is. F- from our world. And so I remember her like looking at me at one point, like, you believe this? Like we're here. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm glad you're here too, Haley. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is plain. It was incredible, but it was. Weird. No, I know Haley. Does. I should say unusual. Absolutely. Weird. Yeah. Haley does, does come from uh, our world. She, uh, she, she was 16 years old. She opened uh, a show uh, for less than Jake at Janice landing. I remember it was just her and her father, uh, came mm-hmm. out and, uh, and we 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 knew as a band that she she was going somewhere. She just uh, had, had oh yeah that, had, oh yeah. You only had to see hear her for about a bar yeah. yeah she you, you she know. had that star quality, and she's an absolute sweetheart. But uh, Chris, um, thank you so much uh, for taking the time uh, to to be on the podcast. Uh, I absolutely uh, love this song. I'm uh, so proud of of all your success uh, in your career, and uh, I wish you continued success. Uh, at this point, if you'd like to leave the listeners with anything, uh, uh, Chris Caraba solo dashboard confessional, anything else you have going on, you'd like to talk about? I will say to my f- uh, people that have listened to my music and have kind of watched the journey I've been on this year that I appreciate the many, many well wishes as I've uh, been. Uh, recovering from my pretty severe injuries and learning how to play, slowly learning how to play guitar again, I will say this, man, I've, I have not forgotten how much I love music. And I'm really fighting to to have it under my fingers again, and I'm enjoying every step. That's fantastic. That's great. Well, again, uh, much continued success to you, and uh, I hope, hope, hope you heal and, and get back out there as soon as you can. Thanks, Chris. Great to speak with you again. Vindicated! Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chris Caraba, but don't go anywhere. There's lots more Chris to make a podcast after a few words from our sponsors. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians. Everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now. 
The new Punchline single, I Don't Want to Leave Yet, is streaming everywhere now. You could check out Punchline I Don't Want to Leave Yet wherever you stream music. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured band is Ghoulie from Richmond, Virginia. They play hardcore punk influenced by classic 80s bands such as TSOL and Poison Idea. These guys and gal rip shit up. I dig it. The band consists of Samantha Poe on vocals, Eric Kelly on drums, Mikey Kent on guitar, and Jake Morley on bass. You can find their music on Bandcamp. Here's a snippet of their song, Ryan. The Rap with Chris and Chris. For me personally, one thing that's really cool about Chris Caraba and Dashboard Confessional is I remember that I had, I think it was maybe a Fiddler Records or some other record labels sampler where the song Again I Go Unnoticed. And it was just Chris acoustic. It wasn't full band, obviously. Please send me anything but signals that are mixed. Cause I can't read your rolling eyes Out of touch Are we out of time? I heard that and my group of friends heard that and we all loved that song. And as far as I know, that was one of the earliest and first things that he had released, at least that reached to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and that I could hear. And it was really cool to see someone go from that to being this superstar And maybe we had an inkling that that was going to happen right off the bat because that song was so great. Uh, So it's always interesting to see that entire process from the dude releasing a song to being this superstar with a huge song on like Spider-Man 2 soundtrack. Uh, Yeah, it's incredible. His story, you know, less than Jake, I mentioned the episode we played with his very first uh, punk band, the Vacant Andes back in the day. Of course, he went on to Further Seems Forever. And, you know, not too many people outside of Florida might know how big that band was at that time in Florida. Further Seems Forever was huge. The buzz on them was incredible. And here this guy struck out on his own uh, to do a a solo project. I remember, remember many people, myself included at the time, were like, whoa, what's going on? And then for him just to eclipse everything that he came from uh, is, is, is pretty amazing. That Further Seems Forever album that he sings on, the real popular one, The Moon Is Down, mm-hmm. what an album. Incredible. So yeah, like you said, it's amazing that he went out and branched out on his own and even eclipsed that uh, so many times over with his own music, not in that band. I love that band, uh, but, but Dashboard definitely has had much bigger cultural impact. Yeah, well, and without getting into band politics, who knows what happened, but it's kind of here nor there. But yeah, I remember at the time thinking like, wow, because that band, just like I said, the buzz on them uh, and that, that first record he sang on was uh, was huge. And uh, he went out on his own and, uh, and, and, and look what happened, <laughs> so to right. speak. It's just amazing. Yeah, and talking about this song in particular, hands down, as you brought up in the episode, there were the three songs. There was Screaming Infidelities, Vindicated, or Hands Down. It was going to be one of those three that you were going to do this episode about. So I texted all my friends, and no pun intended, but Hands Down, Hands Down was <laughs> the favorite among them uh, that everyone wanted to hear. I think it was unanimous. And that song, Chris, I'm, I'm a few years younger than you, and I was in my early 20s when that song hit. And that song was inescapable. And not only that, the one funny thing that anyone I know will bring up is at the time, AOL Instant Messenger was such a popular form of communication. This was kind of predating text messaging, unless you had like a T-Mobile sidekick or something like that. 
And the lyrics to Hands Down were such a popular AOL instant messenger away message. <laughs> and it, it had such like people related to that song so much. That song lyrically just paints such a picture. It's like you're watching a three minute movie when you listen to that song. It's so descriptive. Uh, no, I, I, you I know exactly what the song's about and it's great. I said it in the episode, it's like reading a long poem. It, it's uh, right. so descriptive and, and quite, you know, quite honestly, some of my favorite lyrics uh, so far on, on, on the show. I, I, I shared that in the episode. I absolutely think they're, they're great. Um, I admire uh, people that can that paint that kind of picture with words. It's uh, truly an art form and a talent. And I got to hand it to you, Chris. Uh, you called it. I <laughs> I called Chris last night and I said, why, why can't I find the video to this song? The, the official video. You told me that there was one. And you said, yeah, it's probably some record label bullshit. And yep, right. it was. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I knew, I knew I remembered a music video for that. I, I, I thought Chris was going to sound off and go crazy any moment. Like, here we go. Oh, I opened up a can of worms, but yeah, he, he gave us the, uh, the short, shortened version, but yeah, it was record label bull crap. Of course. Right. <laughs> and as you know, going back to, Chris Caraba as a lyricist, he has to be among the world of music that I'm involved in and the time period, especially like early 2000s. He's one of the faces. He's one of the faces of, I'm doing air quotes, emo, <laughs> even though, you know, it's it's almost like acoustic folk music. And then he went full band. But, you know, he was under that blanket because it is without a doubt, if emo is short for emotional you don't get much more emotional than this. And one thing I was, <laughs> you actually didn't bring it up in the episode, but you could very easily talk to Chris about, and I'm sure that he could uh, expand upon this. But the dude, really, a lot of times when he lifts those choruses, goes so high in his range, oh. which I'm sure a younger Chris Caraba was like, yeah, I'm going for it. Because you you feel that. You feel that in the songs and in the recordings. But I'm sure there's some of those, those things that he went for that now, all yeah. this time later, he's like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have went that high with it. Uh, Either that but, or, the, or the conversation at rehearsal is, uh, hey, guys, you want to lower this a key? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm, sure that, I'm sure that that has to happen or the dude would lose his voice every night. It's just unavoidable. But you've talked about it before, too, that it, that emotion comes out when you lower it a key, you know, half step, half oh, step. Yeah. A lot of times people might not notice when you go full step, you notice, yeah. <laughs> you notice because that, that emotion isn't there as much. And, you know, I don't know if Chris does that or not. I'm, I'm not going to, uh, assume that he does, but uh, he definitely set himself up for for straining his voice for years to come, I'm sure. And he made a deal with the devil, man. The guy looks like he's in his mid to late 20s. I don't get it. Dude, <laughs> dude uh, that's another thing, too. Is like, hey, you look incredible, Chris. I got to hand it to you. You look great. I got to say, you know, growing up at that time, I liked the music, and then you see just just every girl in love with him. And then you're like, well, yeah, I kind of get it. I'm sick of hearing about it, but I kind of get it. <laughs> but then I will, I will say this. And then you meet the guy punchline had the pleasure of playing a show or two with him. And he is the nicest, sweetest person. I, he's one of those people I can't say enough nice things about. And you're like, okay, well maybe it's just your looks match your personality. You're just a wonderful person. I didn't know. I saw in doing the research on him that he was uh, an elementary school teacher. <laughs> makes makes a lot of sense. He's very soft spoken and just the nicest dude. Yeah, I don't. I, I could never run out of nice things to say about Chris. He's a he's a great dude. And speaking of great people, Chris, you know who else are some really great people? Who's that, Chris? All of the people who listen to the podcast who then head over to KristaMakesADifference.com to contribute to our monthly fundraiser for charity. That's right. We couldn't do it without all you listeners. Thank you so much uh, for your generosity. This month, uh, we're fundraising for Hope for the Day. It's a, a nonprofit movement whose mission is to empower the conversation on proactive suicide prevention and mental health education. Their focus is raising the visibility of resources, providing education, and mobilizing people to take action. So please, if you can... Give anything, a dollar, two, three, whatever you got, head over to ChrisToMakesADifference.com and uh, help us out. Thank you very much. Yeah. And if you make a contribution, you'll be entered to win some cool stuff like hoodies and t-shirts and things like that from Hope for the Day. So that's pretty cool too. 
That's awesome. And uh, I want to let you guys know, I know that uh, it doesn't seem like it, but the holidays are truly upon us. It's it's only November 9th, but they're going to be here before we know it. I'm still doing custom songs and jingles, and I'd love to write you one. So please, if you'd like a custom song or jingle for your business, please write me, email me at chrisdemakes at gmail.com. I'm going to be taking orders until November 30th because I want to get these songs to you by the holidays in December. So uh, once again, chrisdemakes at gmail.com. And uh, if you haven't already heard, uh, I have a book out, Chris, my first book. You sure do. I was going to say, speaking of uh, good things for the holidays, what about this book? It's called Blast from the Past. I released it through Smart Punk Records, and you can go to chrisdemakesabook.com to pre-order the book. It's coming out December 8th, but you can pre-order now. There's all kinds of bundles that go along with it, t-shirts, a calendar, a poster, all kinds of cool stuff. I also want to give mention to the new Less Than Jake album, Silver Linings, will be out December 11th, 2020, so make sure to check that out on Pure Noise Records. Oh boy, I'm excited. And speaking of new music, Chris, tell us about the new Punchline single. Uh, Yeah, on Friday the 13th, very spooky, uh, Punchline is releasing a new song called Be Right There. I'm very excited for everybody to hear that. And then the following week, one week later, November 20th, if you have Amazon Prime, uh, you can watch the Punchline Music Special. It's an hour-long special about our band. If you like our band, you're going to like it. If you don't know our band, you're going to like it. <laughs> I'll make that guarantee. And I've been reading a lot of the comments in the Krista Makes uh, a podcast Facebook group, which if you already haven't, if you haven't joined yet, uh, come on over and join up. It's a lot of fun, really interactive in there. A lot of comments uh, about people that hadn't heard Punchline before, Chris, that, that have latched on and uh, they really like you guys. And I think that's awesome. So uh, tell your friends about Punchline. We love Punchline. I love Punchline. Yeah, man, you Les and Jake dudes have been so good to Punchline over the years. Took us on tour, been nice to us. You probably like fed us food at some point. You've just always been really cool, man. Well, you're a great band and you're great people. You know we love you guys. Uh, If you haven't given me a follow already, go over to Instagram. I'm at less than Chris D. And please give us a podcast review over at iTunes. We love those reviews. Please keep them coming. And until next week, we'll see you then. Do you enjoy the content and production of Chris Makes a Podcast? Do you have an idea for a podcast or an existing podcast that you'd like to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have over 25 years of combined experience in the pod field, and we're ready to help you succeed in the golden era of podcasting. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on the corner of Gray Street. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast.